Hello, this is Jim Reynolds, and you are on the Christian Life Empowerment Podcast. We're going to be doing something just a little bit different today. I'm going to let you be a fly on the wall to a Bible study that we have every Wednesday night at 7 p.m. Hey, and by the way, if you want to join this Bible study, just go, well, give me a call, 503-891-6040, or email me at ultimatemission1, that's numeral one, ultimatemission1 at gmail.com, and I will give you the link. We do a Zoom Bible study. But anyway, so today we are talking about the experience of salvation. What are the mechanics of it? What are the nuts and bolts of salvation? And we know that we're saved by grace through faith, right? But saved by grace. And that's even one of the questions today is, what does it mean to be saved by grace through faith? So I hope you enjoy this as you listen to seven different people talking about How do we experience salvation? So here we go. Enjoy. Well, let's start with prayer and then we'll jump into this. Um, So, Rochelle, you want to have an opening prayer for us? Well, I'm going to have to eat my chocolate. Okay. Chocolate, but me. What's up? (laughs) Blame Norma. All right. Uh, I'm ready. Let's go back ahead. Dear Father, we want to thank you for another day to meet together to learn more about you and talk about you and and just ask your presence with us today um give us something that we need your name i pray amen Amen. so today the the lesson is on the experience of salvation and and i'm Let's, well, let's just jump into Matthew 10, 38 and 39. So, so as, as you know, we try to read one chapter of Matthew each week and, and then, um, and, and then we do a subject each week. And so hopefully I, we were able to get the questions and uh, to go along with the subject. And, you know, it was amazing how that actually worked out most of the time. But um, so Matthew, Matthew 10, 38 and 39. I got it. Okay. If you refuse to take up your cross and follow me, you are not worthy of being mine. If you cling to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for me, you will find it. Hmm. So what does it mean to lose your life for Jesus? Taking up your cross you know, is a, is a symbol of, I don't know, it, it, you know, the Romans used the cross as a symbol of full and complete, you know, uh, I mean, no, you, you're, you're, I mean, if you had to carry your own cross to your own death, you would completely submit it to Rome. <laughs> there was just no doubt about it. Um. So I mean, what, is, what does it mean to lose your life for Jesus? Well, just that, not giving up your own selfish desires. Okay. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, to me, 38, when it talks about whoever does not take the cross and follow me is not worthy of me. If you run the motions, you know, you, you can't keep the door cracked. You got to be all in. Mm. Or it's it's not completely worth it. I mean, you you can't truly know the power and be able to be worthy of following the Lord if you're not all in. Yeah, you gotta walk the walk, huh? Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, to me, you know, in thinking about that, I think that applies to all of us at some point, right? Even the bestest churchgoers ever i mean i think we need we get complacent sometimes and you know just falls into you got to remember that you need to pray and you need to do your bible studies and you need to talk to god all the time that that refresher is is important yeah i read a book one time i don't remember who now who put it out it was uh, called in search of the cross and uh, sometimes people say well you know I have diabetes and I have to bear this cross and I have uh, this problem and I have to bear this cross. And but that's not the cross, I don't think, because you have to, if you take up the cross, it's asking you to take it up 
voluntarily. So if these things come along and you didn't voluntarily take them up, that isn't the cross that Jesus is talking about, I think. To be it has to be voluntary, which I, I, now as I understand this, it means that you give up the life that you would like to choose and you start following the life that God would like you to do. And you have to sort of really give up everything. Not that you, I mean, God may want you to do some of the things you want to do, but maybe there are some things you don't, <laughs> don't want to do that he wants you to do. So and I think that's part of the cause. Yeah. Yeah. And for those of you that don't know, um, Reuben is Don Lawrence's father. So as, as much as you... As, 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 as much as you sense. enjoy Don Lawrence, and this is who he <laughs> learned from. So <laughs> we, we enjoy having Don around. So and my, uh, so it says, and whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. To me, maybe, I mean, it's very similar to what Ruben was talking about to where you go all in it might not be that original path that you talked about or that you wanted but losing that to gain something greater is all worth it so don't think that you're quote-unquote losing everything because I mean, yeah, really, you really will find it I mean you and it just goes back to you can't be half in you got to be all in to be able to lose all of it to gain it all it's a great point, Mike. You know, what I, what I found with my life is is so many things I didn't lose. I, I, I ended up trading lead for gold. Mm -hmm. Well, and if you look at the original cross, okay, Jesus took up his cross. His cross was because he had a mission here on earth. And he had to take up that cross because others didn't want him to um, do his mission, which was to reach others, to tell others about God, be that example of who God is, heal the sick, take care of them, show what heaven is. And others did not want that. And so in order for him to continue mission, though, he had to carry this cross that others gave him. And he chose to take it instead of going, okay, I'm not going to do my father's will because I don't want to deal with the ridicule. I don't want to deal with the fear of death. Um, so I think a lot of it too is, is, you know, following God's will, finding out what that is and being willing to stick with it no matter what. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. I agree. No, great points. Great points. Let's go to the next the next verse in the next page, it's 2 Corinthians 5, 17 to 21. This study has some, just some neat verses in it. I mean, just really neat verses. It was in First Corinthians. I'm going. There's not a 17. What was it? What was it again? Second, second, oh, it's second Corinthians 5, 17 to 21. Okay. 17. Yeah, that's there. <laughs> there we go. Somebody wants to get that. Well, then, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. What is old has passed away. Look what is new has come, and all these things are from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ, and who has given us the ministry of reconciliation. How far? Um, 21. Chapter. In other words, in Christ, God was, in Christ, God was reconciling the word to himself, not counting people's trespasses against them. And he has given us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors. 
for Christ as though God were making his plea through us. We plead with you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made the one who did not know sin to be sin for us so that in him we would become the righteousness of God. So what does it mean to be an ambassador for Christ? Representative of him and his mission and his nature. Yeah. Yeah. And how, how does that help in our reconciliation? How is that part of this, this reconciliation? Be an ambassador for Christ. You can't be an ambassador for something you don't know or believe in. You have to, you have to completely understand what it is you're representing to present mm -hmm. to the world. To you're, you're, not a, you're not a member or a participant. You're an ambassador. To me, that, that holds a lot higher prestige and um, a lot more buy-in too, right? Exactly what you said. You've, got, you've got to be able to talk the talk as well as walk the walk. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you have to be in harmony with your government. Huh? If you're an ambassador, you have to say what your government wants to say. Right. Uh, maybe I'll give you a little story. One time we were in Tanzania and we were headed down the road and saw a couple of people on, on the road that were hitchhiking, a couple of young people. So there were several of us in the car. We picked them up, and, and as we were going along, somehow the lady, she thought that, that Jesus was a chauvinist. And I said, oh, you know, why, why, did, why do you think that? And uh, she said, oh, you know, this woman was laying on the ground in here, and he was. And so I said, do you know really what was going on? And so I started to tell her the whole story. And, and she said, oh. How do you know that? I said, well, you know, it's in the Bible. You just read it. And then after a while, she said, well, we rode for quite a long time. And then before she got out of the car, she said, you know, could, could, where could I get a Bible? I, I'd like to read the Bible and, <laughs> and learn about this. You know, I, and after she heard about the whole story, then she realized that Jesus was not like she thought he was. Mm. That's like being an ambassador, right? You're changing the person's mind. You're letting them know what it's really about. Yeah. Well, it's interesting that that's, the, that's one of the big dysfunctions and controversies in our modern world is the misrepresentation. Of course, that's the enemy's mission, too, is to misrepresent God and, and his love and who he really is. Mm -hmm. hey, Jim, I got a question. Um, reconcile it comes up a lot in in this section this chapter is was there another word used i mean how was that is that translated the same way in everybody's uh, i'm just curious on that because that, it's, i mean it's, it's pretty specific but just wondering if it meant something else or not well and so to me, and I don't know how it's translated in other Bibles, I knew, know the King James Version I have is reconciled. So, so to me, the, the meaning of reconcile is to reconnect. Okay. So, so when, when Adam sinned, when Adam and Eve ate the fruit, we disconnected from God. And if you disconnect from the giver of life, you're in a lot of trouble, right? I mean, it's like, you know, being a deep sea diver and taking the, you know, disconnecting <laughs> from your, from your tanks um, or, or the hose coming down. You, you just, you're done. And, and so what God did is, or Jesus did, is he was that, that ambassador from God to man to reconnect the hose, to reconnect the lifeline to us that we disconnected when we ate the fruit. So that to me is what reconciliation means. Is that? Does anybody else have a, another way of putting that to mind? Does that make sense, Mike? Yeah, no, I mean, I, I understand what reconcile means. I was just curious because I know that, you know, as we've kind of started with our meetings, there's some of those words that would translate and they don't necessarily translate all the best. And so I was just curious mm -hmm. on if there's another 
I don't know, Ruben. Do you know the? I mean, I don't know the Greek word that's used to, for that. I could look it up real quick, but no, I'm not really. Uh, I'm not a Greek scholar either. I'm not really sure. Uh, to me, it 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 means you know when people get a, um, have a quarrel, uh, they're not friends anymore, and then when they talk to each other and they see each other's point of view and so on. Then they become reconciled. They become friends again. Yeah. And I think oh, that the differences. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Reunited. Yeah, I don't know what other name, word word would be used for that. Or like I said, I, it just it just sparked me because it's not at least from the little bit of reading I do that a word isn't used a, a lot in such a concentrated chunk of the Bible, and they're reconciled was used a lot in there. So I just just curious. I don't yeah. mean to derail the conversation. No, no. No, that's okay. No, good questions are great. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. No. Well, I was thinking too, Mike, because um, like my, I have a different version than what James read, and I have the um, NLT, and then mine says reconciliate, reconciling. Um, Jim, if you're saying, you know, the New King James also says reconciling, that's three, three versions that tend to have some differences. So I'm, <laughs> thinking reconciling is probably what it's going with if three different versions are using the same terminology because i know mine can be quite different from other versions sometimes so the next is um well you know it's back to john three sixteen. we keep coming back to this verse when we're talking about jesus and i guess it's because there's just so many things that that this verse represents when we're talking about Jesus. It's probably why it's one of the most popular. It is probably the most popular verse in, that's ever been. Um, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. Of course, that's the King James Version that I've had memorized for years. Yeah. But, um, but the question is, who can have everlasting life? According to this, whoever believes in him. Oh, whoever believes in him. It's so, attainable by all if they wish. What's that? It's attainable by all if mm -hmm. they wish. Yeah. Yeah. And and I like the whomever. Um because whomever it it it, it kind of it takes out um, some of the kind of strange beliefs that that you're, you know, God decided who was going to be saved before um, you were born, type of stuff. Predestination. Yeah, predestination. predestination. I mean, predestination just doesn't work with this verse. Yeah. Right. Well, my version says that everyone who believes in Him. Mm -hmm. And, and it goes get, back. It goes back to the verse we read. I think that it's got to be more than wish or want. It's got to be whomever, I don't know if I know a better word, but whomever chooses or whomever puts in the effort or whomever, you know, fully subscribes, submits or subscribes. Yeah. You know, to me, that, that happens all the time. Yeah, sure. I'm all in. But right. It's just talking. Right. So it goes back to the needing to, to walk the walk as well. Yeah. Well, it's like it goes back to where Jesus was talking about, you know, even even the devil believes in him. Mm -hmm. You know, but so it's got to be, it definitely has to be a different belief than that. <laughs> well, yeah, it can't just be right here. It's got to be, it's got to be the heart, not just the head. Amen. Now, so Galatians 1, 3 and 4, and then 4, 4 to 7. So Galatians 1, 3 and 4. So after 2 Corinthians is Galatians. <laughs> 1, 3 and 4. Um, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to deliver us 
from the present evil age, according to the will of our God and Father. Okay. Now, and then four, four to seven. Galatians four, four to seven. Go ahead. I, I have a hard time counting that high. Go ahead. <laughs> but when the set time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law that we might receive adoption to sonship. Because you are his sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts and the spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but God's child. And since you are his child, God has made you also an heir. Mm. So what's the difference between being a slave and being a child? We're no longer a slave or a child. A lot. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I think, I think honestly, anyone who's never had a child would probably never fully understand that meaning of being a child of God. Hmm. Yeah. When you're a child, I mean, now you have rights and you're an heir. So you have inheritance. You are Mm -hmm. a part of your family, your father. I mean, it's, you have a place that is yours by rights, by, by blood. I mean, being a slave, you have nothing. You're at the mercy only. Is, is it just me or am I seeing there's, there's still a little bit of similarities between the two in a sense, right? Being yeah. a child, you're still, I mean, slave is, is harsh, but you're still Servant. Under, under some authority, right? You still have to follow some rules. You're not completely free in that you still have, in this case, you know, Ten Commandments, or you have you have some rules to, to live by. Mm-hmm. No, that's a great point because I mean, you, you know, your picture is the old plantation, right? Um, you have your slaves and right. you have the sons. Both of them are on the plantation. Both of them are still working on the plantation. So there are some similarities. Totally. Gina was saying, I mean, the difference is. The child is working towards what's going to be his, what he's going to own. And he's working towards something that he's going to be proud of and have ownership of. Whereas the slave's just working because they have to. Yeah. And I, I mean, also, maybe it does remind me how Paul talks about, you know, being a slave to Christ too, you know, um, and I mean, in some sense, there is that too. Uh, a you know, a slave on a plantation, they have to work for the owner. Well, if we see ourselves as you know, like 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 with Paul, you know, he has to work for God. I I feel like he doesn't feel like he has a choice in the matter, not because God's an evil taskmaster, but that's where where his heart is at. He has no other choice because his heart is tied to God. Yeah. But since we are children, we also have that beautiful benefit of being heirs and, and having the bedroom and, you know, instead of the slave quarters and all of that. Yeah. Yeah. And and we haven't even mentioned really that the most important thing uh, that I was thinking of and didn't really say it. And that is the love, The, the love, that a parent has for a child is is uh, unexplainable. Yeah. There's another text that maybe sheds a little bit of light on this, and that's John 15, 15. And Jesus is saying, Henceforth I call you not servants, for the servant knoweth not what his Lord doeth. But I have called you friends, for all things that I've heard of my father, I've made note unto you. Yeah. No. No, that's a great. So now you're part of the family. Yeah. Great complimenting. And, and it seems to me the difference is the motivation. Mm-hmm. It's, it's like when people say that you're following the law because you're a legalist. Well, uh, you could be a legalist, and that's why you're following the law. But yeah. it could be because 
you love you love God and 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 the and you you're following the law because you know what that that's what God wants you to do and and what God wants you to do is going to be best for you and so it's out of love that you're following the law so your motivation to follow the law is the same I, to me it's the same it's the difference well, between being a slave to the law and being a son to the law is the motivation behind keeping the law it's your kind of a group you're part of the group it's like you're part of it yeah. Like you can say, okay, I'm going to support you because I like your program, but maybe you're a member of the program. So then, of course, yeah, it's mo very motivating. It's your program. So you're trying to do it too. Huh? It's God's program, but you're in it too. It's yours too. Yeah. Well, to me, <clears throat> child, when you think of most kids, we know not all, but most are peer, right? They're, they're, um, led easily their their followers i guess and and they've got pure heart and and can be should be led blindly sometimes if you need be just by knowing whereas slaves you know or slavery might not be the same right goes back to that love that james talked about exactly yeah, yeah absolutely all right let's go to um Titus three, three to seven. Oh, oh there it is. All right, Jim, where is Titus hiding? It is the last of the teas. So okay. you go go eat peaches and cream after yep. Roman. Got it? Yes. What was the verse? Um, Titus 3, 3 to 7. All the teas are together. Makes it easy. All right. I can read that. Once we too were foolish and disobedient, we were misled and became slaves to many lusts and pleasures. Our lives were full of evil and envy, and we hated each other. But when God our Savior revealed his kindness and love, he saved us not because of the righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. He washed away our sins, giving us a new birth and a new life through the Holy Spirit. He generously poured out the Spirit upon us through Jesus Christ our Savior. Because of his grace, he made us right in his sight and gave us confidence that we will inherit eternal life. So according to these verses, how did he save us? A rebirth through the Holy Spirit and his grace. Yeah. By anything we did. No, no. By mercy and grace. By and you know, and, and and I was impressed that it actually he poured out the Holy Spirit on us. Mm -hmm. He he didn't drip it, he didn't just <laughs> splash it. He poured out the Holy Spirit on us. Yeah. The full realization, to me anyway, is pretty cool. Amen. <clears throat> And, and, you know, when you look at, if I remember right, I've looked up the Greek word for this, and, and it when it says poor, it is, it, it's, it's like a waterfall being poured. It's not just a, a vase being poured out. It's, it's like the Niagara Falls being poured on you when he says he poured out the Holy Spirit on you. And so it's, I don't know, I, I thought, I think that's pretty cool. Deluge. I said yeah. He saved us through the washing of a rebirth. I mean, that's that's all encompassing. Mm. Our um, rebirth. I love that at one time we too were foolish, disobedient, deceived, and enslaved by all kinds of passion and pleasures. We lived in malice and envy, being hated and hating one another. I mean, how how current times is that? <laughs> 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 Yeah, no doubt. <laughs> no doubt. 
So let's go to Luke 17, 5. Man, there's a few verses here. Let's let's split these up. Somebody take Luke 17, 5. Somebody take Mark 9, 23 and 24. And somebody take Ephesians 2, 5 to 10. I'll take Ephesians. You'll take Ephesians. Who will take Luke? Luke what? 17 what? 17, 5. I can do that. And then Mark 9, 23 and 24. Who's got that? Got it. All right. Start with Luke. Luke 17, 5. The apostle said to the Lord, increase our faith. Mark 9, 23 and 24. Mark 9, 23. And 24. And 24. Uh, one second. Got it. Then Jesus said to him, if you are able, if you are able, all things are possible for the one who believes. Immediately, the father of the boy cried out and said, I believe, help my unbelief. Ephesians 2, 5 to 10. It starts with made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace ex expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by work so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So, so here's a big theological question. What does it mean to be saved by grace through faith? Bless you. <laughs> I think part of it has to do, I mean, our two other verses talks about, you know, help my unbelief, you know, help me believe, give me faith. Without God's grace to answer those prayers, we can't even have the faith. Right. To Great point. Yeah, everybody talks about surrendering their will to Christ, but without Christ giving you the ability to surrender, you can't even do that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, for it is by grace that you have been saved through faith. So you have to believe that this is, this is what he's giving you. You have to believe that in this gift that you're getting and receiving and then, and then own it. Mm-hmm. I always go ahead. I was going to say it says, um, in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace. Mm -hmm. Incomparable riches of his grace. I mean, we don't deserve anything, and I think we know that. And the last verse has expressed how we all live right now, so we deserve none of it. But yeah, we do. Right. We deserve death. Right? Yeah, <laughs> we deserve death. <laughs> yeah. I know I, I had a person that was really trying to justify something they were doing they knew was wrong and they told me well don't I deserve happiness I said no <laughs> you deserve death That's yeah. <laughs> it's sad but true yeah it is yeah so, so sum up being saved by grace through faith. I think who did that, Gina, or, or I think was it Gina or Rochelle that summed it up very nicely. There, I thought I can't remember which one of you did. I think the Bible did because that's what I read that we were saved by grace through faith. Mm, yeah. That's what the Bible said. Yeah. So we have to believe, and and, and we got to believe. It, it, and what I, I guess what I wrote down was what did I put down. Um, Faith, we got to have faith that we're forgiven, and and we've got to have trust that God will lead me 
in the path he wants me to go in the door. So, I mean, I've got to, got to be willing to follow him and, and it's not easy sometimes because there's things I want that he doesn't. Amen. So I have that, that faith. Go ahead, Rochelle. I mean, without having the faith and belief of God's character, we can't trust that what he wants from us is better than what we want for us. I mean, we have to we have to know who God is uh, before we can have that kind of trust and faith. Uh, yeah. You know, I have to get to know a person well enough to trust that they actually do know what's best for me or what's better for me than what I know. Yeah. No, absolutely. And and the way you get to know somebody is what. Spending time with them. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there's really... And, and you know, the, the other thing is, the way you get to trust somebody is the same thing. Yeah. I mean, it's it, it's hard to trust somebody if you've, if you've never been in battle with them, whether it's life battle or, you know, whatever you're doing. I know we, you know, I, I, I do a lot of hunting and there's there's people I won't hunt with because I don't trust them. <laughs> you know mm -hmm. i don't i don't trust right. how they handle a gun i don't trust what they're doing in the woods i don't you know trust that they're going to do their part and but i don't know that until i go out hunting with them yeah you know i i feel you can really see somebody's true character when you're hunting <laughs> yeah <clears throat> but uh that's my my personal passion. So anyway, so John 3, 3 to 8. And then 1 Peter 1, 23 and Romans 12, 2. So let's do that again. Um, somebody take John 3, 3 to 8. Somebody take 1 Peter 1, 23. And somebody take Romans 12, 2. I got John. Okay. Romans. You got Romans. Who's got 1 Peter 1, 23? Me. Okay. All right. All right. Here we go. Jesus replied, I tell you the truth. Unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. What do you mean? Exclaimed Nicodemus. How can an old man go back into his mother's womb and be born again? Jesus replied, I assure you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and the spirit. Humans can reproduce only human life, but the Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life. So don't be surprised when I say you must be born again. Praise the Lord. First Peter one twenty three. Sorry, I'm a little slow here. <clears throat> um, since okay, since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of of imperishable through the living and abiding word of the God, or of God. Mm -hmm. and then romans 12 2 do not be conformed to this present world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may test and approve what is the will of god what is good and pleasing well pleasing and perfect So when I made this question, I almost, I almost, you know, I almost didn't because it seemed like in too easy of a question. It's a question everybody asks when they see these verses, and, and it's been answered a hundred different ways, a hundred different times. But I thought it still was an important question to ask and for people to think about is, is what does it mean to be born again? Mm -hmm. Well, what Jesus said to uh, Nicodemus is what's born of the flesh is flesh. And what's born of the spirit is spirit. So uh, he's talking about your uh, being uh, transformed. It's like kind of like taking up your cross. You're giving up your your human part of you and letting the spiritual part of you be 
in charge. Mm. Well, it's kind of like, I mean, humans can only have humans and we kind of know yes. what humans are like. Yeah. They're, you know, not the greatest of people, but if you cross something, um, you get a mix of the two. So if you cross a human with the <laughs> Holy Spirit, <laughs> you know, now you can have the mix that has the characteristics of both. Amen. And so without that crossbreeding, I, I, it seems like a poor word choice, but... <laughs> but <laughs> But without that crossbreeding with the Holy Spirit, all we are is sinful human beings. Yeah. We'll say hybrid. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. There's some weird hybrids out there, too. <laughs> mm-hmm, for sure. <laughs> you know, and, and that's a, you know, that's a, a, an illustration. That's a good illustration of that. I, I've always looked at, at myself and, and what I had to do in my life, and it was like, I had to, I, I couldn't tweak my personality. I couldn't just change a little bit. I had to completely reform, you know, my let God reform who I was. Um, and, you know, I've said it a couple different times in these studies, but if, if you knew, if you, if you knew me before God found me again, yeah, you, you wouldn't recognize me. I mean, I, I just don't think you'd recognize me. I, I was su- very surprised the first time somebody came up and, and cursed and threw out the F-bomb or something then covered their mouth and told me they were sorry. And I was like, why? <laughs> what are you sorry to me for? But somehow, you know, I had changed enough where people recognized it and even more than I did, I guess. But I have the same. Go ahead, James. I had the same experience. I was in the military, actually, overseas. And um, I got a nickname of Moses. I was pretty on fire. Uh, but the point is that uh, this 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 uh, born of the spirit is, is very hard to explain because we're logical beings. And that's a supernatural, mm-hmm. a supernatural, illogical uh um phenomenon that you know god is love and god is spirit and and it's very hard to explain to people um how 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 god changes us spiritually um into a different person it's very exact too i mean to go on exactly what you're talking about james is you can't influence somebody to do it. They have to really want to have that belief. Yep. Right? Mm-hmm. Totally. We, we can't, we can only teach so much. We can only show so much. You can only be the ambassador so much, but at the end of the day, we're designed so perfectly that we have to be able to have the belief and be all in on our own. We can't get that from anything, anybody else. Nope. Well said. Mm-hmm. Nope. Absolutely. So let's go to Hebrews 8. Boy, we, we've got a few of these today. So let's do it again. Hebrews 8, 7 to 12. Somebody take that. Ezekiel 36, 25 to 27. Somebody take that. And then 2 Peter 1, 3 and 4. So who's going Hebrews 8, 7 through 12? I'll do Hebrews 8. Okay. Ezekiel 36, 25 to 27. What was 2 Peter? Take, I'll take Ezekiel. Okay, and then 2 Peter 1, 3, and 4. Yeah, I got that. What was the chapter verse for Ezekiel? 36, 25 to 27. Okay, Hebrews 8, 7 to 12 says, For if there had been nothing wrong with that first covenant, no place would have been sought for another. But God found fault with people and said, The days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the people of Israel and with the people of Judah. It will not be like the covenant I made with their ancestors when I took them by the hand to lead them out of Egypt, because they did not remain faithful to my covenant, and I turned away from them, declares the Lord. This is the covenant I will establish with the people of Israel. 
After that time, declares the Lord, I will put my laws in their minds and write them on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. No longer will they teach their neighbor or say to one another, know the Lord, because they will all know me from the least of them to the greatest. Then Ezekiel 36, 25 to 27. Then I will sprinkle clean water on you and you will become clean. Your filth will be washed away and you will no longer worship idols. And I will give you a new heart and I will put a new spirit in you. I will take out your stony, stubborn heart and give you a tender, responsive heart. And I will put my spirit in you so that you will follow my decrees and be careful to obey my regulations. Amen. Second Peter 1, 3, and 4. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises, so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. Flesh. So what do we gain by sharing in God's divine nature? What does that mean to you, to share in God's divine nature? Powerful. Well, in some ways, I mean, we will always struggle with temptation, but a lot of this is he's talking about, you know, we won't have to tell our neighbors about him because we'll already know um, that, um, you know, he's giving us the spirit so we will follow his decrees and obey his regulations. It's kind of that whole transplant thing that we take him in and become more like him. He, he's giving us the heart that will listen and will obey. Amen. Well, the nature of a person is really kind of what they're thinking, isn't it? What they think and how they how they look at things and so on is of nature. And, and that's what uh, God has promised. He said, if you ask that this mind be in you, which was in Christ Jesus. So if we can ask, and Mrs. White says that if we ask, God will put his mind in us. So then, then if his mind is in us, then we think like he thinks, and that's our nature, like his nature, our nature will be like his nature. Mm -hmm. yeah yeah and all of this it's a promise when we accept him these things will happen yep. and that's part of the faith i guess <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah and let us remember that that is our biggest testimony to the world our own transformation Mm, mm, yeah, yeah. yeah, great point. Great point. So on these last two verses in this study, someday we're, we, we always go late, so we never have time to do the grow part, but someday we're going to get there, so we'll be able to do it. But on these last two verses, um, I, I didn't even put a question here because to me, these verses were so powerful that it was just best to be left there. But you're welcome to comment on them if you would like. But let's go to Romans 8, 1 to 4. And then Romans 5, 6 to 10. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus, the law of the spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. For what the law was powerless to do because it was weakened by the flesh, God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh to be a sin offering. And so he condemned, condemned sin in the flesh. 
in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fully met in us who do not live according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. Amen. 5, 6 to 10, Romans 5, so going backwards. When we were utterly hopeless, Christ came at just the right time and died for us sinners. Now, most people would not be willing to die for an upright person, though some might perhaps be willing to die for a person who is especially good. But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. And since we have been made right in God's sight by the blood of Christ, he will certainly save us from God's condemnation. For since our friendship with God was restored by the death of his son while we were still his enemies, we will certainly be saved through the life of his son. Beautiful. And not only that, but we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we now have now received. There's that word again, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> the reconciliation. <laughs> yeah. Amen. Restored. Yeah. Well, thank you, everybody. And appreciate everybody being here and and we're going through this it's 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 so nice to be able to to work through some of these verses and bounce things off each other and and receive just i mean some really great thoughts from each of you that i wouldn't have thought of myself had i just read this myself which i did this morning um and <laughs> you know um so yeah all right well um so, Gina, why don't you have our closing prayer? Okay. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this Bible study. Thank you that we are able to get together and we still have the freedom to do so. I pray, Lord, that these words kind of resonate with us throughout the evening, throughout our, our night of sleep, um, and throughout our lives, Lord. Your salvation is is immeasurable in its power and its promises and something that we can really think on for a long time. Lord, I, I pray for each of the people here in this Bible study tonight that you reach out to each of them personally, hug them with your arms, fill them with your Holy Spirit, give each of us peace and extra light to be beacons in this world. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. 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 amen.